3: Live from the Nasdaq market side overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Dami, Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, and Pete Najarian, co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Right now, a jaw-dropping drop for Netflix, the stock cratering after hours. The streaming giant losing subscribers for the first time in more than 10 years. We're all over this report and the ripple effects. This after-hour shot, coming on a day when the market made a monster move higher, bucking all the headwinds of rising rates, a surging dollar, and Uber hawkish Fed speak will break down what is next. And check out shares of Twitter dropping nearly 5% on chatter that a number of private equity firms are giving Elon the financial cold shoulder. More on that in just a few. Meantime, let's get straight to Netflix. That stock is down 25% near after-hours session lows. The streaming giant losing, losing 200,000 subscribers in the first quarter and forecasting even more losses this quarter. Let's go inside the numbers now with our own Julia Borson. Julia.
1: That's right, Melissa, we're seeing those Netflix shares down 25% on a massive subscriber supplies. The company did lose 200,000 subscribers instead of adding 2.7 million, which is what analysts had projected. They did note that 700,000 of those subscribers were lost because the company stopped operations in Russia. Netflix also guided to the loss of 2 million subs in the second quarter, instead of guiding to the addition of 2.6 million, which is what analysts had anticipated. The company citing a number of factors, including competition, sluggish economic growth, inflation, and password sharing. Saying that in addition to its 222 million paying households, they estimate that Netflix is being shared with over 100 million additional households, including over 30 million in the US and Canada. They said in their letter to shareholders, they are working to convert some of those households that are not paying to be subscribers. And they're also working to improve the quality of programming as well as of recommendations. We are seeing other streamer stocks falling as well. Uh, Roku shares down 6.5%, Disney down 5%, Paramount off 5%, and Warner Brothers Discovery off more than 3% as we see those Netflix shares plummeting. Melissa? And, of course, Managen speaks
3: to the community, the investment community, at 6 o'clock, so not during our show. But, Julia, there's a lot to digest here. Thanks so much for that roundup. Julia Borston, Guy Adami, a jaw-dropping drop for Netflix. What do you make of this quarter?
4: You see my jaw-dropping there, Mel? I was trying to method act there, the Stanis- Stanislavski method. It's a disaster. I mean, there's no other way to put it. But there's some silver linings here, and just bear with me. Last night, we talked about it. Listen, I don't think any of us thought it was going down 20%, but I think we were pretty cautious going in, missed 13 in the last 15 quarters, make that 14 in the last 16 now. But something sort of weird happened on the way to the forum, as they say, this stock now trading 260. Go back and look, December 2018, then the fall of 2019. This is where we bottomed both times. When Netflix was a growth stock, nobody cared about valuations. Then it fell into this no man's land of wasn't growth anymore, and it clearly wasn't value. Well, guess what? Despite, obviously, user growth, which is waning, to say the least, you're going to actually start hearing people talk about uh, Netflix as a value stock. This stock will trade north of 80 million shares tomorrow, 10 times normal volume. I think you can be long the stock, and I know I'm going to get added on Twitter, around this 260 level for a trade.
3: Hold on. This is a value stock where it's priced right here, a value stock where we're losing subscribers. We will continue to lose subscribers in the current quarter. And in the most recently reported quarter, they grew revenue by 10%. This is a value stock that should be valued at a 31 forward P.E. Karen, is it a value stock here? Coming down, Mel. All right, it's coming down, (laughs) but is it going to come down enough for for what it's posting? Well,
5: Well, we'll see. I mean, so it's not just subscribers, right? It's also revenue. And we know that they have pricing power. And we also know that they have this lever of shared passwords, which is pretty meaningful. That's a lot of potential revenue there. So even if you don't have subscriber growth, you can get to revenue growth, which gets you to free cash flow growth, which gets you a better valuation. So I I agree with Guy on that front. I mean, this has never had a PE in front of, you know, it's going to be a two handle. I don't know where it's going to open tomorrow. But um, I do think just, you know, this is a shock. So at the moment, before we hear anything on the call, I think it's more expensive where it is right here than it was yesterday on this news. However, I do think that you're going to have a look. I own. So I had my toe in the water going in. I'm now minus one toe. And I but I'm intrigued here because I think you're going to see a three day. You know, this is a three day rule one. Do not buy this one until day three. You're going to just see puke out people who were here only for growth. And now that's not there. Then they have to get out or they want to get out, whatever it is. So I'm sort of intrigued, you know, if you listen to Bill Nigren, who's sort of a much longer term thinker about how he views this on a lifetime subscription basis. And, you know, I I think that we're now in a different phase. They were there was wide open territory before and they were clearly the first mover and have the biggest share. And now the field's starting to, you know, come into view a little bit more. There's a lot more competitors. I think ultimately they will be the winner here. It's certainly not a surprise that all the competitors are trading down uh, the Disney, Paramount, so on. Um, That should happen. But I think at the end of the day, it will be Netflix and, you know, I'm hoping it just gets really puked out. Uh, I'm curious to see what Bill Ackman does. I don't think we're, he may tell us he doesn't need to file 13F for this quarter would be much later. We would hear about what he was doing now, but I'm interested to hear. Uh, whether he's buying stock or not. And I think we're going to get a chance to buy it at a pretty good price. I'm hoping for a real
3: puke. Right. How much pricing power does this company have at this point after having initiated a pricing increase not too long ago, Grasso, in an an environment where inflation is really taking hold? We had that study from Cantor saying that U.K. households are cutting the cord on on Netflix um, because of inflation. Uh, I'm just wondering where you think the growth will come from besides a pricing increase, even if they can convert those households that share a password. Let's say they get 75 percent of those households. Um, Is it going to be enough to make it a growth stock again?
6: I don't know. I don't know how I don't know how they would get those households. I don't know what I.T. they would put in place to get those households that share passwords. But I think we used to do a, a, a segment on this value trade or value trap, or am I hallucinating on that? There, we did have a segment on that, did we not?
3: You're dreaming. No, we had a segment on it, for real. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, we
6: did. We did have one. Okay. So, so to Guy's point, I see exactly what Guy is talking about. I also see that level of 260. Problem is, if I look at my screen, I see a level of 241 back when he started his conversation in 2018 on Netflix. That to me is your ultimate three-day rule, which Karen uh, brought Mm -hmm. up as well. The reason why it ran into the pandemic and during the pandemic was they were way ahead of everybody else. They're not anymore. This actually should be a buying opportunity for Disney because Disney has many more levers to pull besides just streaming. Problem is Disney has got itself into a war Uh, in florida so all of these become cells this one i think is going much lower not a value trade as of yet
3: 2018 is an interesting date that you guys mentioned in terms of the stock level because in the shareholder letter netflix does say that the streaming competition has really heated up in the past few years and that's around that time frame so if you put the stock back to then pete things are very different in terms of the Mm -hmm. backdrop for growth for netflix versus what it is today so where should the stock yeah. Be in your view. Do you think that it is looking like an attractive opportunity here?
0: I think it it, it does look attractive, but I would also agree with the panel. I mean, I, I I do think you'd have to wait a few days, see how the dust settles out. I don't think you're going to miss a whole lot, Mel. Like for instance, I don't think you're going to, if you're bullish on this and you actually do think that there's some movement that could go to the upside. I don't think it's going to absolutely explode just because of the fact that it's dropped as much as it has 25% today. I would say this. I was one of those who thought they had pricing power. They have proven to us now that not only do they not have the pricing power, but the other issue is they've got to figure it out. And and whether it's uh, some sort of algorithmic thing, Steve, or whatever it is, but they have got to figure out as a company, and they've talked about it for a long time. They just haven't moved on it. But the sharing... There's a hundred million folks out there right now, there is the estimate. That are sharing. So that is a huge number. We're not talking a couple million. We're talking about 100 million. And if that's the real, realistic number or even close to that, that, that says a lot right there. It's, it also tells us there are people out there who love the product. They, they, they want to be a part of it, but they're getting it at a huge discount, obviously. And I think that is one of the biggest issues that they face right now. And the fact that they, they, they tried the pricing power, it worked for a while. It looks like it's not working. Why? The competition is fierce. It's not just one other or two other. It is across the board everywhere where you're competing. And that's something that Netflix didn't have to worry about for a long time. Now they do.
3: Well, uh, you know, you got to wonder also if the 100 million households, if if they were forced to, if they would actually pay for Netflix as opposed to getting it at a huge discount, which is free right now, basically. um, Guy, I mean, the, the overtime show had a poll. How many of you plan to cut your Netflix in the next, you know, 12 months? It was 61% said yes. 61% of, I mean, granted, it's a poll, it's whatever. But it's interesting that, that it was a majority, that the people are reconsidering what they have. There are a lot wait, of other wait, streaming services. Okay, okay, okay.
5: Go, go, Karen. Streaming. I
3: have a question. Is yes. that,
5: would you cut a streaming service or would you cut Netflix? Netflix.
3: Would you cut Netflix? A, a streaming service, I thought it said. Oh, is it a streaming service?
5: OK, I think
6: so,
3: all <laughs> right. so may, maybe they'll maybe they'll cut Hulu or, <laughs> you got to hope Netflix say, <laughs> they'll cut something else. But people yeah. are looking at what they're what they're paying for. And in light of yeah. all this reopen trade, Karen, which you're so hopped up on, you know, you might go to a concert mm-hmm, instead of staying name. at home, streaming a movie or Bridgerton. <laughs>
5: <laughs> you keep bringing up Bridgerton. Is there some reason, Melissa, that we keep coming I back have, to I it? Watched it recently
3: <laughs> Bridgerton on the brain?
5: <laughs> right. I mean, that the number of hours, millions of hours, 600, 700-plus million hours of Bridgerton, um, that, that is kind of extraordinary. If Shonda Rhimes were a stock, that would just be uh, through the roof. But yeah, I do believe that the reopen trade, I think in the letter they talked about trying in, Brazil, in Latin America to address this issue of household sharing. And I don't know uh, how they're doing it. And I don't know if we've seen the response, but to Pete's point, 100 million. That is a gigantic number. If they, I mean, imagine if they could capture a quarter of that. That would be, that would be very big for
3: them. Yeah. Um, let's pray in Media Mogul and CNBC contributor Tom Rogers. He's the executive chairman of Engine Media and Gaming. Um, Tom, always great to speak with you.
7: Great to be here. Thanks, Melissa.
3: Do you think Netflix can re-accelerate its growth in its shareholder letter? They say our plan is to re-accelerate our viewing revenue growth by continuing to improve all aspects of Netflix on top of monetizing, on top of growing internationally. Can they do this?
7: Well, first, let me address the issue you talked about in terms of people disconnecting a streaming service over the next 12 months. Uh, People are disconnecting streaming services all the time. The monthly churn on Apple TV is 10%. The monthly churn on HBO Max is almost 7%. That's monthly. Think what that is in a year. So there's nothing new about many people disconnecting some streaming service over the course of a year. Second thing I'd say is, as much as people are focused on streaming subscription services in a period of inflation and tightening pocketbooks, The real beneficiary of inflation, I think, is going to be Netflix. And why do I say that? Because where people are really going to cut back is their $100 cable or satellite package. That's going to go. And the legacy media companies are making it a whole lot easier for people to get rid of those when they move things like Dancing with the Stars over to Disney Plus. And you can save a lot of money getting rid of that $100, picking up a few streaming services. And I think Netflix will be a direct beneficiary of that. Obviously, the legacy media companies are going to take a hit there. So I think the question with Netflix is really this. Um, it, it's obvious that the bear case is dominating in the market now, that Netflix lost subs, it's it went negative, and uh, therefore its growth is stymied. I think the real question is is, is whether Netflix growth is sl- slowed or its ultimate ability to get where people thought it could get as a several hundred million streaming service is still intact. It's just going to take longer to get there. Now, obviously, taking longer to get there affects discounted cash flows, et cetera, and the stock price comes down. But there's very little here to suggest to me that the preponderance of pay TV homes around the world, of which there are four or 500 million outside of Russia and China that are up for grabs for Netflix still, or the 600 million broadband homes that are not mobile only type homes, but true broadband homes, aren't up for grabs for Netflix still. So clearly growth has slowed. It's gonna take longer to get there but the long-term arc is streaming wins out over linear TV, linear demise, benefits Netflix. And in the end of the day, they're ultimately gonna be a much more valuable company than the market's suggesting right now.
6: So Tom, you've had uh, extremely prescient calls over your whole career. Um, I agree with you uh, that Netflix should be the beneficiary of this, but what levers can they pull now? Do you think they go to a two-tier system where they have ads, what can they do immediately on their behalf, not just the trend?
7: Well, a lot of people are pushing ads out. A lot of analysts on CNBC today begged them to come up with an an ad here. I, I don't think they'll go there quickly. And in part, the reason is the only place advertising is really valuable in terms of going in that direction is the U.S. and Europe. And in the U.S. at an 84% penetration of pay TV subs. Um, I don't think there's really that much upside from a, a ad supported tier unless they really began to see churn. They have enviable churn. Their churn has been the lowest in the industry. If they really see pricing here driving an issue for them, then I think they could consider a lower priced ad service. Europe, they're actually doing quite well. And the thing that people uh, should focus on in terms of Europe and pricing and whether or not Netflix has pricing power. In the U.S., as I mentioned, average cable bill is $90 or $100. In Europe, it's only about $26. And they have pricing of Netflix pretty close to where it is in the U.S. And having said that, that comparison suggests with the same number of subs in Europe for Netflix as they have in the U.S., some 75 million subs, they are doing extraordinary well to be able to price that that close to what people are paying for their pay TV package. So I'm not convinced that they have demonstrated they don't have pricing power. They always face resistance when they do it. But uh, netting out FX effects over the course of this quarter, uh, their revenue per sub was up nicely in in every region and uh, I think that actually bodes well for their for their pricing and more importantly, when it comes to competition, their viewing audience, even with the uh, peacocks and Paramounts and Hulus um, uh, low, lower distributed and therefore uh, making greater sub gains, the amount of watched minutes on Netflix has actually grown comparatively. And that to me suggests that the competitive uh, onslaught that people are talking about is really not all that meaningful relative to Netflix subscribers.
3: Tom, it's always great to get your perspective. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Tom Rogers, Engine Media. All right, how do we, how do we trade this aside, Guy, from, from waiting a couple of days and seeing how this shakes out? What do you think is the range we see here?
4: Well, I think, listen, Pete, Steve, and Karen all spoke with. The three-day rule that Steve's talked about for years is in place without question. My point is this. I think tomorrow you're going to see a huge volume day. Again, anywhere from 10 to 12 times normal volume. I think maybe you'll see a 250 print, but I think it'll close north of 260. For me, that's good enough to say, you know what? We traded down to lows, again, December 2018, the fall of 2019. We held... And this is an opportunity to buy the stock for a trade and look for a bounce. And I am getting added to at Twitter. It doesn't surprise me. But if you start to really look at the numbers, um, this is about as cheap as the stock has ever been.
3: All right. Um, we've got a lot more on Netflix coming up later this hour. We'll be all over the moves. We'll keep you updated. And believe it or not, there are other earnings we want to hit tonight. We'll dig into the results that are sending IBM shares soaring. More Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on IBM. Shares jumping after a beat on the top and the bottom line. Seema Modi's got the details. Seema.
9: Melissa, 20 minutes into the conference call, and the cloud growing its footprint into the cloud has become a big topic of discussion. If you look at hybrid cloud revenue, it reached nearly $21 billion in the quarter, up 17% year-over-year. CFO Jim Cavanaugh telling me acquisitions remain a key priority for IBM. It's already acquired 18 companies since January of 2021, in total $4 billion, another three in the first quarter. And Cavanaugh says you can expect more on that front. Uh, revenue and software, which makes up about 40% of its revenue, up double digits sequentially and year over year. Given that 2 thirds of its business, though, that comes from non-US dollars, currency headwinds remain a challenge and will likely be addressed on the call, which again is underway. Taking a look at the stock, it is down this year, but it's outperformed the S&P and NASDAQ thus far as well as other tech heavyweights, Meta and Microsoft. Analysts say due in part to the defensive-like qualities, including that 5.1% dividend. Morgan Stanley upgrading the stock prior to today's results, calling it a good place to hide amid macro uncertainty. Now they'll have to take into account its growing share in the cloud business. Mel, we're looking at shares up about 2% in extended trade. All right. Seema, thank you. Seema
3: Modi. Um, guy, is now the time for an IBM since it's defensive and it's showing some progress in its turnaround story?
4: Yeah, cloud growth north of 20%, which is good. If you look at a chart, this is in a nine-year downtrend since basically the middle of 2013. The good news is, you know, we are stopped making new lows, lower lows. Did that a while ago. Bad news is you still have decelerating EPS. So, it's hard. I will say this. I mean, you can't really knock it on valuation. I don't think you're going to get killed here. And the stock is able to close above 138, which is still ways away. You might actually get a bit of a breakout. So I, I think it's a fine quarter. I don't think there's anything to, to hate. There's not a lot to love either other than the cloud growth. Got to close above 138 to break out, in my opinion.
3: Is this a read-through for the cloud Sector subsector, which has been clobbered this year. I mean, the cloud ETF is down what 19 percent year to date. Is this a good thing or is this a bad thing, Pete?
0: Well, I think you know that's a really good question. When you look at what they did with the cloud, whether it's the hybrid cloud up 17 percent or cloud itself up about 14 percent, Mel, those are those are pretty decent numbers. I mean, I'm I'm pretty impressed. I think what we're seeing and why they're they're pushed against by a lot of those other cloud companies is. Those were a lot of those names that actually had either extremely high PEs or no PE at all type of names a lot of those names at least in that category outside of microsoft and some of the others so i think it's really an interesting comparison or it's an odd maybe comparison to be honest with you because i think this lines up more with what we look for when we look into the cloud side of maybe uh... companies outside of that like an amazon like microsoft like like those kind of names i think with that five percent dividend yield as guy was just pointing out the combination of that selling calls against it it's why i'm in this stock It doesn't do a whole lot. It's not really sexy. Not everybody wants to even talk about it. But a stock that basically is holding its own right now in the tech industry right now, I think this is a great buy-write strategy stock. IBM just stands out perfectly. Selling calls every week, every month, whatever it works out to be against that stock position really is a great method right now to enhance not only the 5%, but turn that 5% maybe into 15% at the end of the year.
3: All right, we are just getting started here on Fast Money. Here's what's coming up next.
0: Interest rate incline yields climbing to multi-year highs. So is this the danger zone for stocks? We're hitting the charts to find out. Plus, charged up and ready. Tesla earnings on deck, and options traders are plugging in for the big report. The details ahead. You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this.
3: People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation.
1: Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can
8: help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today
3: at aarp.org moneytools money tools.
8: What's on the horizon for financial markets? At p it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow. Today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGM, a leading global asset manager.
3: Welcome back to Fast Money. We're continuing to monitor Netflix in the after-hour session shares. Continuing to slide, we're down about 26 percent. In the after-hours session, the company has lost about $40 billion in market cap, this after posting a subscriber loss for the first time in more than a decade. The conference call kicks off in just about a half an hour's time. Karen, what do you want to hear from the company to convince you that it is going to resume its growth path?
5: Well, to me, I do want to hear about this issue we've been talking about, about passwords, some more about that, because that is just such a gigantic pool of untapped potential. And, you know, Tom brought up a good point about how they're actually gaining share. I want to hear about that and how they view the marketplace, the competitive marketplace. Do You you know, they've always talked about competitors, but now they're really, you know, nipping at their heels. And I want to hear how big of a threat they really think that is. And there are other threats as well that we haven't discussed yet.
3: I think the notion, and we've shown the After Hours Action in some of the other streaming plays, the notion that its competition is just the streaming plays is maybe too narrow of a thought. I mean, Tom had mentioned, you know, the real loser here will be linear TV, will be cable services. When people start looking at the $100 cable bill every month and think, that's what I'm going to cut, not the streaming service. Um, Guy, in terms of the range, if you bought it to 60, your level, then what?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, I think, look, I think it's trading 257 last I look. Again, this is all predicated on what I think is going to happen tomorrow, but I think you're looking for a 15 to 18% bounce off of 260, and that wouldn't be unreasonable in the environment that we find ourselves in. So, again, I think you're going to flush a lot of people out tomorrow. Again, volume to me is capitulation. You'll see it tomorrow. You buy it for a trade.
3: Steve Grasso. Is there is there um, any reason why you would say don't wait for the three day rule? Um, I,
6: I, I'm sure I haven't waited for the three day rule uh, in my history of trading. <laughs> this one, yeah, <you> ha- <laughs> I think you have to wait for the three day rule. The risk is the risk is uh, is is too violent. But to Guy's point, the the only time that I would risk the not waiting for the three day rule is when it's at such an important level in the chart. And it is, 260 is, but it can go lower.
3: Okay, Um, we'll continue to monitor Netflix here. We're down 26% right now. Um, Markets in rally mode though, today during the regular session, the NASDAQ jumping more than 2%, major markets all putting in their best day in a month. But the big question is why? Why? Just take a look at some of the headwinds in play today. Yields continuing to rise. The 30-year Treasury topping 3% for the first time in three years. The dollar hitting a two-decade high against the yen. And of course, the Fed's James Bullard saying a 75 basis point rate hike is not off the table. This is not usually a recipe for a rally, but we did see strength across the board from big cap tech to spec tech to rate sensitive plays like home builders and banks almost everything was up. So Pete, what'd you make of this move today?
0: Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting, Mel. I mean, I really did not expect it. As a matter of fact, in the pre-markets, we were relatively flat. And then all of a sudden, as soon as we got into the trading day, everything started to take off, and then it just continued on to basically close virtually at the highs of the day consumer discretionary was very interesting you know we look at a lot of these different areas specifically in the nasdaq that have been beaten up and they really have been beaten up but there are days like today where i think the exhaustion of selling all of a sudden seemed to be a part of it People have been going through the earnings generally, not talking about Netflix right now, but generally, I think the earnings have looked better probably than most maybe expected as we started into the earnings season. So I think there's a lot of different reasons why, plus a little bit of relief in some of the areas where we were seeing them just go up every day, whether that's crude, whether that's gold and silver, wherever you want to look, we saw a little bit of that pullback there as well. So it was a lot of strength out of big names, and that was really what was carrying the market. When you look at Tesla, you look at Amazon, so many big names that have, and big market cap names that were moving and giving the market a really nice lift today.
3: I mean, for all the talk of more rate hikes or bigger rate hikes, or however you want to characterize it, Guy, I mean, with yields yeah. going higher, maybe the silver lining to this is that the market is actually working through that notion. So maybe we are through peak rate hike talk. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I, I, I could. I understand that, and I saw Marco on the uh, on the OT with CQ, and he spoke to that exact <laughs> point. I don't think we are, though. I think there's still some growing pains associated with it, and doesn't listen, This doesn't rectify itself, you know, in a week and a month. I think it takes literally months, if not longer. I think the market's gonna, you know, again. I happen to think today was maybe predicated on the fact that tax law selling is out of the rearview mirror, tax day being yesterday. Those types of things pete mentioned an oversold condition i'll buy that as well but i just think this is another one of those violent moves in a market i think is still headed lower
3: and karen i mean you mentioned earlier today you you would think that housing would be dead now the the final nail would be in the coffin at this point with rates this high with the average 30-year fix what above five percent now or so but it's not
5: right but that's Not what we saw from the data, so I don't know how much of a lag there is, but um, some of those permit numbers were really good. That housing trade has been hit really hard, and maybe this made people think, wow, okay, maybe it's overdone because this is a very different supply-demand dynamic than it was in 2008. We're still under housed by quite a bit. So I think that was sort of part of it. I think that there's some residual excitement about the reopen trade gaining steam on the heels of the mask mandate being lifted for airlines. So, and, and we were down a lot. I mean, as Pete was saying, you know, maybe just the sellers got exhausted. We we're only back to where we were, I don't know, middle of last week, maybe. So it just feels right. like a lot. But the net change hasn't really been that yeah. much. Yeah.
3: Coming up, we are counting down to Tesla earnings as the EV maker gears up to report tomorrow. And options traders are plugged in and ready. We'll tell you how they're playing the name next. Plus, another day, another rising dollar. The greenback hitting its highest level in more than two years. So, which names can shake off this surge? The traders have their picks. Fast Money's back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out Twitter dropping nearly 5% today after reports suggesting Musk's takeover bid isn't drawing much interest from potential backers. Blackstone, Vista Equity Partners and Brookfield Asset Management just some of the names declining to fork over equity to support the bid this according to the Financial Times. Um Karen, you pointed this out before, the irony that the world's richest man nobody knows if his funding is for real.
5: <laughs> right. I mean It's not that I don't think Elon's for real himself, like, you know, we've seen him do extraordinary things, SpaceX, Tesla, you know, we go on. But the idea that the world's richest man has his bid treated like this, which means, you know, trading $8 under, wherever it is, that, that tells you people doubt whether he's real. And I got a lot of ats that, oh, come on, he is for real. We don't know that. I mean, we'll see. Tomorrow's 420, Right anything can happen. I think that if he wants to show us he's real, he can do that. He should launch a tender offer, even though he knows that he won't be able to close on it, but it would show that he's got the money.
3: Yeah. Um, what do you think this means, uh, Grasso, for some of the other social media companies? Is this a good thing or a bad thing, or does it not matter?
6: It's, it's a, it was a good thing that Elon Musk was interested in Twitter. It's a bad thing that, that it's, it's sort of falling apart at the seams here to Karen's point. So I, I think they're all looking for a white knight bid to come in here, uh, to have a competitive bid. But with Twitter talking about poison pills, it makes it more difficult for that follow-on bid to actually take place. That coupled with price targets in the name are substantially lower than where Twitter's trading right now. All are very negative for Twitter and the social media space uh, presently, as long as Elon Musk doesn't ride in, then all of these are going much lower.
3: All right. Um, all this action comes as we get ready for Tesla's quarterly results due out tomorrow after the bell. The EV maker getting a nice bounce today ahead of the report, and options traders are making a ton of noise in this name. Mike Co has the action. Mike.
6: Yeah, so I guess they're always making a ton of noise in Tesla because (laughs) Tesla is always one of the busiest single stock options we have. It was the fourth busiest in contract terms today and the busiest in notional contract terms. Right now, the options market is implying a move of about 6% by the end of the week. That's slightly larger than the 4.1% the company has averaged over the last eight quarters, but obviously much less. Than the 11.5% one-day move we saw last quarter. The most active options are the 1110.50 and 1050 strike calls. The 1050s, for example, saw nearly 30,000 trade at a price of about $20 a contract. Buyers of those calls are risking a little under 2% of the current stock price to make a bullish bet that the stock's going to be up about 4.3% by the end of the week.
3: All right. Thanks for that, Mike. Mike Coe with the action there. Um, Pete, I'm curious, your thoughts. If if Elon Musk does make a tender offer for for Twitter and and continues this sort of angling for the social media company, is that bad Mm -hmm. for Tesla shareholders in your view or does it not matter?
0: I don't know that it matters necessarily, Mel. I think that it shows the confidence that he has probably even going into the Tesla earnings. Obviously, we're going to find out a a lot about that tomorrow, but there was some huge buying even last week. I know Mike was talking about today, and there was monstrous paper, 29,000 of those 1050 calls that expire on Friday. But they were starting to buy those calls even last week. So it gives you a little bit of an idea that somebody out there has been sniffing out that maybe tesla's in for a pretty solid quarter that was by the way when they were buying those 1050s the stock was underneath a thousand so it gives you a little bit of a perspective of what where people were and what they think i i think the people are starting to really understand in that live ted talk that he had the other day that was very interesting to listen to a lot of what elon musk had to say um, I never look past what this guy's capable of doing, whether it's Twitter, Tesla. I think this is a guy who just doesn't need to sleep. <laughs> He's, he, he sleeps less than Jim Cramer probably, is the way I would frame it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's not a lot. Um, for more option, options action, be sure to tune into the full show. That's Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Coming up, dollars to donuts. You'll love this next trade. The name's most likely to crush it as the dollar keeps climbing. Our traders give their picks next and April is Financial Literacy Month. Here's CNBC contributor Anthony Scaramucci on how financial education can protect you from inflation.
7: Financial literacy means to me safety,
6: security, enjoyment. It's very important for people to feel that they're in control of their environment and they're able to pay their bills and you can get there with steep knowledge and being financially
7: literate.
3: Welcome back to Fast Money. The U.S. dollar continuing its march forward with the Dixie having its, uh, hitting its highest level since March of 2020. The move even more notable against the yen, where the greenback was at a two-decade high. So what's this move mean for the markets? Um, And in particular, corporate earnings, Guy.
4: I don't think it's particularly good. President Trump was the first president in my lifetime, at least, that was actually honest about a U.S. dollar being strong, being a headwind for many of our multinationals. He's right. I mean, most presidents, most administrations wouldn't own up to it. He did. With that said, with each passing day, the dollar goes higher. That creates more of a headwind for the multinationals and the market in general. I'm surprised by how well the market's traded, but a stronger dollar, as counterintuitive as it may be, is not good for the market, in my opinion
3: all right it's not necessarily good for a lot of corporate earnings either Grasso. what's your take here on, on which companies can either weather uh, this rise in the dollar best or maybe fall victim to this rise in the dollar
6: uh, I'll, I'll be brief i, I think the uh, utility space they have a predictable demand and and with them predictable earnings as well no one likes the lights going off in your house once you have lights in your house So uh, whether it's the yield play or whether it's the predictability uh, nature of it, those things are usually bought going into recession or during a rising rate environment. And then the old standbys, Dollar Gen, Dollar Tree. Both of those names have a history of splitting stocks. Both of those names have been outperforming. Both of those names have skyrocketed in stock price. Could you imagine where they'd be if they announced a stock split right now in either name? Higher.
3: Mm. Um, and Karen I guess the other sort of way to look at it is where do you get your sales Um, and if it's overseas that might that might be a big headwind for you
5: of course right because you repatriate that money uh, and you get fewer dollars for whatever the foreign currency you're repatriating so to me that would be McDonald's, which actually, at this point now, has more, little more than half of their business outside of the U.S. So this would be, they would not be the beneficiary; they would be the victim. If that's who we're playing victim or beneficiary. One thing I want to point out, though, is that sometimes the market just looks through FX hits mm-hmm. or benefits, and sometimes not. And I don't know why that is, but we'll see as these FX changes come in. Yep. Yeah.
3: Coming up, what does Netflix's post-earnings move have to do with Kroger, Devon Energy, and HP? We'll tell you more on the After Hours action when Fast Money returns. Welcome back. Let's get another check on shares of Netflix. The company has lost $40 billion in market cap in the After Hours session. That's about the size of one HP, one Kroger, or one, Devon Energy. That's a lot. A Netflix's conference call kicks off in just a few minutes. Our next guest says these numbers are alarming. Let's bring in Jeffrey's Jared Weisfeld on the fast line. Jared, great to have you with us.
2: Thanks, Melissa. Great to be here.
3: Is it your take that this is a growth stock that just has to resume its growth path, or is this a growth stock that's just on the other side of its growth trajectory here?
2: No, we're clearly in the camp of transitioning from growth to GARPY and potentially value. If you look at the rate of subscriber loss, it's it's absolutely alarming coming in at negative 200,000 in the current quarter and a forecast of negative 2 million into June. To just help put things in perspective, consensus was sitting at about 5 million positive subscribers across the two quarters cumulatively. Versus the almost you know negative 2.2 million that they just reported, so uh, we're we're absolutely at the point of uh, of market saturation. And even more concerning is you know within uh, within the first three sentences of the shareholder letter, they're talking about increasing competition impacting the business. So uh, I think we're we're definitely on the other side of the growth sector.
3: They've talked about increasing competition from all sorts of uh, sources in the past, but I, I think one point that our uh, previous guest had made on this show, Jared, is that maybe we're looking at competition too narrowly, and maybe the competition is also cable TV. And maybe that's the linear TV is a real loser in this whole thing, and that when, when push comes to shove, people will choose Netflix over a cable. And so therefore, maybe the competition isn't as stark as, as we all think. What, what are your thoughts on, on that sort of bullish take on things?
2: I, th- I think that's overly optimistic. If you go through the shareholder letter, they talk about competing with Amazon and YouTube for the last 15 years, but they specifically now talk about new streaming services as competitors. And they should be, right? Apple just won a motion picture uh, for best motion picture at the Oscars. And you know this is before you're even having uh, Amazon launching Lord of the Rings in the back half of the year. So you've got new fierce competition with, with the ability to, to heavily subsidize uh, these budgets with their existing businesses. And that needs to get contemplated appropriately in Netflix valuation.
4: They still have the secret weapon in the form of Reed Hastings, who's one of the great CEOs I think of my lifetime. Uh, is he able to pull another rabbit out of his hat yard?
2: Yeah. So, so listen, there are there are a couple things that they can pursue, right? And so, all, all is not lost. I think there has to be a real uh, conversation on whether or not they can introduce an advertising-supported tier, right? Can they? help increase top of the funnel, really accelerate subscriber growth from, and bring those subscribers in on a free-supported tier, and then eventually moving them uh, into a uh, paid subscription offering. That's definitely possible. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind of is they've made a very big push on gaming. So can they leverage their existing content with a new gaming portfolio and really think about other interactive entertainment adjacencies that they can actually attack? So I agree. You know, you, you never want to count Reed Hastings he's, out. He's one of the greatest of all time. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a tough, uh, it, tough near-term for, uh, for Netflix as they face the increasing competition.
3: Jared, thanks for phoning in. Always good to hear from you. Thanks,
2: Walker.
3: Jared Weisfeld. Um, Pete, do you think that gaming, do you think an ad-supported tier can save Netflix here?
0: I think those absolutely make total sense. I know Reed Hastings has been pushing against that whole ad-tier side, side of things, though, Mel. I love the guy. I agree with Guy Adami. I think he's exactly right that he's one of the greats. But I think he's going to have to move on that, and he doesn't want to, but I think he's going to have to.
3: Karen,
5: would you like to hear that from Reed Hastings tonight? Um, I guess so, but I think the market reaction is going to make up for the valuation change, which is gigantic, is Mm -hmm. making up for a lot of the disappointment and the miss.
3: Yeah, it went from a 31 during the session today to about a 23, sub-24 right now forward P.E. Um, That Mm -hmm. conference call uh, with Netflix management will start in just about 10, 5 minutes here. Up next, Final Trades. Mm -hmm. Welcome back. United Airlines out with earnings tomorrow after the bell. We will be joined by CEO Scott Kirby. Do not miss that first on interview right here on Fast Money. Time for the final trade now. Let's go around the horn. Steve Grasso.
6: I'm going to go with uh, what I said before: pricing power, rising rate environment. Go with utilities. So
3: Southern Company. Pete Najarian.
0: I'm going to go with Tesla. Mike, I think was right from options action, and I think that uh, the call buying is it speaks for itself. Karen
5: Feinerman. Yeah, tomorrow we're going to see analysts just rushing for the exits as they slash growth and they slash multiples on Netflix. And I'm going to do my very, very best to try to buy nothing <laughs> tomorrow and wait. <laughs> Guy
4: You fired up for playoff hockey, Mel? I know I am. And you 100. know what the Tesla of, yeah, 100, heavy machinery is. I know Pete knows. Caterpillar. Too cheap into earnings. Caterpillar.
3: Thank you for watching Fast and Money. See you back here tomorrow at five for more fast meantime. Mad money starts right now. This
8: podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery.